Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay. Jury. Daily. Daily. Dot com. Nailed it. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Robert Young. This is the Justin Robert Young Daily Podcast. Woo! Woo! Man, uh, uh, tell you what, whipping through things, getting things done out here in Oakland, California. A uh, big, uh, big, big uh, weekend coming up, of course, for a lot of people. You know, this is this might be the sweetest of weekends, right? You know, you can lock yourself down quite a tasty little five-day vacation for the price of two vacation days if you were smart enough to go ahead and pick off that Friday, pick off that Monday, man. You got yourself a nice little uh, uh, week, a week of uh, relaxing, doing whatever the hell you want. We're keeping it real chill tomorrow. Uh, I think I'm still going to do an episode. But uh, uh, me and Ashley, we're just going to, I think we have we have one obligation that we got to take care of. But other than that, you know, it's just going to be a very chill, chill day. Might go down to the lake, you know, take a walk. Maybe grill up a, grill up a wiener. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. I, I'm excited. I love July 4th. I do. You know, I've talked about this a couple times, but I want to talk about my love for the good old U.S. of A. Now, a lot of times when people, when I say that, I'm like, man, I love America. I think America is the greatest country in the world. The, 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 what people, I think, on, on some level tend to think is that it's uh, the cumulative worth of a country. And I don't think that America is uh, a perfect country. I think it's a very imperfect country. In fact, it is its imperfections that I find the most fascinating. The more you study government, the more you understand that things don't really stay around all that long. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, moments of flourishing, civilizations flourishing can be more fleeting than you initially think. And so what I've always found amazing about America, the more that I study it, is that, you know, we're like the Justin Bieber of countries. A lot of countries got a lot of history, right? And certainly there is a pre-America history here on the continent of North America. But it is remarkable from the point at which America exists to where we are right now, some 200-something years, that's, uh, you know, uh, staggering. It's amazing. It's insane where we've come from. And, and that's the thing is uh, on, on July 4th, I think what we need to do is look back and reflect on 
the the <laughs> I think I saw a headline, an old onion headline that we're gonna enjoy this cocaine fueled mason jar rocket ride as fast as we can. <laughs> and that's kind of the trajectory that America has been on. You know, from from establishing itself as a superpower so young. Now, when I say look back, and I think this is where we tend to get these kind of you know, questions and criticisms of, hey, fuck this country, right? And sure, saying fuck this country is part of the reason why it's kind of rad. Understanding that it's got a dark history, understanding that we have been historically uh, 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 barbaric to some of its citizens is part of it. Because... What I find most remarkable about the United States of America is not that we have never made mistakes or not that we have never made big mistakes. It is that we have the capacity for change on a fundamental level that I don't know is universal. And the more I've been around the world, the more I feel like this has been reinforced. Not to say that other countries can't change, but I do feel like we have the capacity to change faster, which of course only brings more frustration. Because once you know you can change fast, then we get very angry and frustrated when we can't change fast. Now that's something that I've always found amazing. The more I've read about the history of this country, the more I've uh, 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 understood culturally where we've come from, the only thing that I think is remarkably embed into the American spirit is the recognition of where we're wrong and our willingness to be better. Now, that doesn't happen equally. It doesn't happen as fast as I would like. And I'm sure that there are many of you who understand that it does not happen as fast as you would like. But I do believe it's possible. And I think the optimism to say that it can is also part of our American dream. No matter how screwed up we are, we live in very, very fortunate circumstances. The poorest among us would be rich in other countries. The kind of destitution and poverty that exists around the world is staggering. And it's not to say that there's not a hard life here in America, certainly there is. There are plenty of people who are not living the way that they probably should in one of the richest countries in the world. The richest country in the world. But for one day, one day tomorrow, I think we can all take one step back and no matter where we believe we are in this progress bar, we can look over to our friends or family we can turn to our friends online. We can crack a drink, maybe grill some food. And even if we don't always exactly mean the same thing, we can all say, I hope it gets better. And then this is the key part. The next day, we can make better happen.
You know, we got a very food-centric holiday coming up tomorrow, so let's talk about some food stuff. Where's a little trend I've noticed? You guys noticed that, uh, you know, th- th- there's been this, like, defense of legacy food and beverage. You know, we had this story a couple weeks back about how uh, beer, the beer tribes were uniting so they could defend themselves, the concept of beer against wine and liquor. We've seen consortiums of industries come together to kind of defend the basic idea of things before. Remember, you know, uh, uh, pork, the other white meat, or beef, it's what's for dinner. I guess there was a period in the 90s where this happened fairly often, but now it's back, right? Like many things in the 90s. It's back in pog form. This is something from ABC News. Apparently, milk is trying to hip itself up. We read now from their article, coffee bars selling $3 iced lattes are popping up in high schools, helped along by dairy groups scrambling to get new ways for new ways for people to drink milk. It's one small way the dairy industry is fighting to slow the persistent decline in U.S. milk consumption as eating habits change and rival drinks keep popping up on supermarket shelves. At one high school in North Dakota, a $5,000 grant from a dairy group helped pay for an espresso machine that makes lattes with about eight ounces of milk each. The drinks used 530 gallons of milk this year. We buy a lot of milk, said Linnell Johnson, a food service director for the Willison Public School District. Now, I've always been fascinated by exactly how certain high schools want to deal with corporate sponsorships, right? Because for a while you would see Pepsi or Coke vie to become, uh, you know, either for counties or for schools, the exclusive provider of soft drinks. You know, getting youth to bind to your product, to become product loyal is something that is very important. I remember Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut used to sell in my high school. So you could go to the cafeteria, you get a cafeteria meal, but then if you were really cool, you'd get like a personal pan pizza. That's all they sold. It's not like they sold fucking full pizzas. But they would sell personal pan pizzas there uh, uh, just in the courtyard. But the idea that milk, milk is on the decline. I will say, I do, I can't remember the last time that I drank milk, milk. I mean, I guess I've had milk in food. That has been cooked around me, but but I have not in a very long time sat down and had myself a frosty glass of milk. You only even milk, and, and I don't even have milk in my coffee. I used to have a lot of it. I used to have a lot of cream and a lot of sugar. That was in my coffee. I used to drink like four or five cups of coffee a day, and every single one of them had cream and sugar in it. A lot of it. Like milky white <laughs> by the time that I poured so much cream in it. And then I would use the sugar to stir my coffee. That's how much sugar. Like just the 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 pour of sugar, the column of sugar that I would be pouring into my cup of coffee as I would move it around the cup, it would stir it by way of its mass. And then I stopped it, mostly because I realized that I was drinking a lot of fucking sugar. Oh, my God, I would just be putting myself into a sugar coma for the entire day. 
Turns out I felt a lot better. And I could drink a lot more coffee if I drank it black because I wouldn't be rattling down the street like some kind of uh, you know, electronic football character. But it's been a while. Now, maybe I've fallen off. I've fallen off from the milk train. That actually reminds me. There was one time in high school. All right, this is a weird. No, this is a wholesome episode. I'm not going to tell it. I've already deleted like two. I, I, as soon as I did that American monologue, I wasn't thinking about doing an American monologue. Then I did an American monologue, and I had to rewrite the entire show. The show had like a really dark news story uh, uh, that I'll probably do next week because I don't want to do it on 4th of July. It had a really dark news story, and then it had an email about swingers, and I was just like, uh, you want to know what? I can't do it. I can't follow up the like, America, we can do it. Like, I, I can't, I, I can't follow that up with this. But whatever, let's get into emails. First email comes from Lou. Lou writes, the last few episodes of Jury, you've covered a bunch of weird airline tales from people being forgotten on the plane. Well, I figured I'd give you uh, my own airplane story from my childhood. You and I are about the same age, give or take a few years. So when I was about nine or ten, my dad uh, took a job in Florida moving from Boston. My parents were divorced, so that sent me back and forth on the plane several times a year. By the way divorced. Uh, I actually went back and forth on planes quite a bit. I remember this is actually a, a story that I found very funny because I was in this situation quite a bit. Traveling as a child, sometimes an airline will put you in a program for kids too young to travel alone. According to them, back in the early 90s, that meant eight or younger. They would reluctantly do it for an older kid if you paid extra. I was considered too old at nine to need the service, but my mother paid for it anyway. This is my first time flying alone. But we are doing a landing in North Carolina from Boston to refuel and get new passengers. The flight from Boston to North Carolina was a piece of cake. I was nervous, but no issues. I chose not to get off the plane when we landed because I was afraid of getting left behind. My mother, who was a very anxious woman, drilled that fear into me. No one explained to me that the whole flight crew was changing when we landed in North Carolina. The new flight attendants were more friendly to me. One gave extra peanuts and extra soda, even a pair of those flight wings from the pilot. I thought nothing of it until one of them asked me if I needed to use the restroom. I said no, but thought that was kind of weird. I went back to the book I was reading and ignored all the uh, weirdness. Arriving in Florida, one of the attendants told me I needed to wait, and they would take me off the plane after everyone else departed. I figured that was part of the program that my mom paid for. After everyone got off, the attendant who hadn't given me, or, or sorry, who had given me the extra soda came back with a wheelchair for me. I didn't know what to say or do. I didn't need a wheelchair, but I guess if that's how they did it, okay. Before I could get up, she scooped me, asked me to put uh, my arm around her neck so she could lift me up. In all my childhood memories, I remember her being a fairly young and attractive woman. I'm not ashamed to say as a nine-year-old, I did use this to squish myself against her boobs. I know. Dick move, but I digress. She put me in that chair and rolled me out to my dad at the gate waiting for me. 
My dad was clearly shocked at the wheelchair. I could see him on the verge of freaking out. The look on his face was priceless. The attendant was just as shocked when she uh, stopped the chair, and I stood up and hugged my dad. The attendant got kind of pissed at first, after, uh, but after talking to my dad, we all laughed. Apparently, the new flight crew was told I was a handicapped child. Someone had lost my paperwork in North Carolina, and the new crew was told to give me the extra special treatment. It was apparently very weird for me to stay on the plane while they cleaned, so the new crew never thought anything of it. Airlines make weird mistakes all the time. As a kid, I saw plenty, so I think now with all the social media, we just hear about these more and more. I hope you enjoyed my story. Lou, I absolutely did. I would like to thank our producers, The Gen, PD Rave, Non-Specific, Rock and Roll Martian, well, James, the OG Brito, well, Chris, as well. Uh, you can email me, jurydaily, at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Justin R. Young, and you can join our Discord at bit.ly slash jurydiscord. Everybody, have a great 4th of July. Blow up a bunch of stuff here for me. It's going to be a great day. I hope you guys have a blast. Please remember to give a round of applause to Mr. Wacky. But more importantly, as you are lighting off M80s and, and being stupid with bottle rockets and stuff, now more than ever, do me a favor and please do, 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 Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>